All right, grab your Bible. Grab your Bible. Revelation 5. Revelation 5. Remain standing. Revelation 5. Do you need a lesson? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a lesson. We got them out. Need a lesson? All right. Man, that balcony just keeps growing. I tell you what. Everybody on the shelf. Amen. I like it. I like it. All right. All right. Man, this is a good crowd on the bottom, too. Amen. Anybody need a lesson? Anybody need a lesson? Need a lesson over here, over here. Let's go, Willie. Come on. There we go. There we go. Need some help. There we go. All right. I think there was one in the very back, too, over there. All right. Old Bulldog Gardener over there needs one. Amen. All right. Get Steve one and one in the very back. Going around, Miss, right back there. All right. Church, say amen. amen. Okay, I told you last week we'd have a box. If you missed last week, and some of you did, because I know that we didn't have this many last week. Uh, sometimes, sometimes revelation can be confusing. Can I have an amen? amen? And sometimes I may sometimes go a little fast. <laughs> All right? Sometimes. And, and, and I may go a little quicker and you have a question. Something you were confused about, you have a question. Well, here's the question box, all right? There's pens over here, paper, and if you got a question, write your question down and put it in the box, all right? Does everybody understand that? Say amen. amen. Okay, so last week we got one question, okay? This was the question. Uh, uh, and I had one by email too, and, and I've got your information for that. If you'll see me, uh, I've got your stuff too. Uh, uh, now, here's the question. Does Jesus have flesh in heaven? Does Jesus have flesh in heaven? According to Luke 24, 38 and 39, it says this. When he, after his resurrection, after his resurrection, and he appeared those 40 days before he went back to heaven. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? All right, this is what he said. This is what he said. And he said unto them in Luke 24, 38, why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. In other words, he's saying, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a spirit, I'm in the flesh. I'm in the flesh. All right, he was taken up to heaven on a cloud in Acts chapter number 1. Uh, we see that. And so, yes, the answer to that question would be yes. He has flesh in heaven. He is the man upstairs. And that's the only way that you can, with respect, say that. Never refer to God as the man upstairs. God in the Son. He is the man, the mediator, upstairs. Amen? So, that's the answer to that question. That's the only one we had. So, let's get started. All right. Revelation chapter number, but let me tell you something. We're going to get started, but I just got to tell you this. This is the most pivotal, pivotal, did y'all hear that? Pivotal, pivotal, pivotal chapter in Revelation. Because what we, most people, when you say the word Revelation, you think automatically the tribulation, you know, the apocalypse, all that. All right, that's fixing to start in chapter six. But chapters four and five, as we're going to put these together, is going to explain it's going to explain what's taking place during the tribulation period here on this earth, during the time of, of Jacob's sorrow, all right? So this is going to be a really, really important lesson. 
and we're probably not going to get past verse 1. Okay? We're going to read some more of them, but you got to get what's in the hand of him that sitteth on the throne. And you'll, you'll see what I mean at the end, okay? All right. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a a book. That's what we're going to study tonight. What is that book? A book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Now, it's not a book like we have a book. All right, they were scrolls that were rolled up, all right? Kind of kind of like this. I, I had Miss Bear, she made me a scroll so you could see that sealed, it was rolled as parchment, rolled together. If that makes sense, say amen. That's the book, that's what we're in reference to, all right? And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Now say that with me. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song. They sung a new song. This is going to be the key verse the key verses we go back to understand verse 1. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. I want to read verse 9 again. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the truth that we have. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll bless all those that come. It's cold outside. And they, they came out tonight to, to be encouraged, to be blessed, to learn, to grow. And I pray they will not be disappointed. Lord, I pray that you'll bless all the youngins up there. In, in the back of the building and all those teenagers down in the lower building. Just bless them all. Lord, fill them with your word. I pray that you, we're training a, a, a young army to come and go forth. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, here's, here's the deal. <clears throat> tonight, tonight, I don't need no lip. <clears throat> Are y'all with me? Say Amen. In order to understand, in order to understand what we need to understand, we have to study. And in order to study, that means we got to go to some other verses and some other chapters and all of that. I'm going to go slow, okay? I'm going to go slow. I know sometimes that can be confusing. It can. Uh, but we're going to go slow so it makes sense, okay? Now, here's the thing. What is happening here? Revelation 4 and 5 go together. Say that with me. Revelation they go together. There's really no need for a break 
between chapter 4 and chapter 5. It's one subject. It's one vision. It's something you see. And so what do we see? We see a throne room scene. We see a throne room. We see uh, uh, elders around the throne, 24, right? We see the four beasts, and, and we see the worship and the praise and the adoration. And, uh, and we see a book. Now, now we, come, we come to the real, uh, I guess, purpose of, of these two chapters. We see a book. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you uh, the subject of, of what we're looking at, and then we're going to build around it and prove it, okay? Usually, I like to build up to the end, and then at the end, wham, lay it on you. This is what it's all about, you know? But I don't want to do that. I want to just go ahead and tell you what it is, and then, and then take our time dissecting this, these verses and showing you why I believe this is a subject. The subject is redemption, the subject is redemption. If you want to put a key beside on, on your notes there, put the key word. If you want to use a key word, that's fine. Or, or a key point, key subject, key topic. It is redemption. This is a chapter of redemption. Okay? Say that with me. It's a chapter of redemption. Redemption. Uh, I want to give you the definition of redemption. It's right there in your notes. All right? It means the repurchase, R-E, repurchase of captured goods or prisoners, the act of procuring the deliverance of persons or things from the possession and power of captors by the payment of an equivalent ransom release as the redemption of prisoners taken in war, the redemption of a ship or cargo, deliverance from bondage, distress, or from liability to any evil or forfeiture either by money, labor, or other means repurchase as of lands alienated. And we'll look at some of those verses there. Or basically, legal, what's that next word? Repossession. Legal repossession. All right? There's a lot of elements to redemption that we're going to look at tonight and find out what this is all about. Okay? So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want you to look in Ephesians 1, 13. It's right there in your notes. It's right there in your notes. You don't have to go searching. All right? What is going to be redeemed? Look what it says. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. The earnest of our inheritance. You remember what earnest means? How many of y'all ever bought a house? You had to put earnest money down, right? That earnest money means you're serious about your offer. The Holy Spirit is given to you as an earnest of your inheritance. In other words, God says, I have something for you. I have an inheritance for you. I have something that I'm going to bless you and give you. But I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit till you take possession of what I am promising. Somebody say me. Right? That's the Holy Spirit. How you know you're going to get it? Because I got the earnest. Amen? Now watch, now watch this, here's the key, here's the key, until I have the Holy Spirit as the earnest of what I got coming, until, that means I ain't got it all yet, right? Until, watch this, watch this, the redemption of the purchased possession, until the redemption of the purchased Possession. Redemption means it's coming in the future. Purchased, E-D, means it's already paid for. Yes. 
No, no, no. We got a whole lot to cover. Don't get jacked up now. Amen. We got to hurry. Many people have the false assumption that redemption is the, is the act of paying for something. That's just part of it. That's just part of it. We're saying, I'm redeemed by love divine. Right? We're redeemed. He died on the cross. He paid for my sin. When I accepted Christ, he washed my sins away. He paid the price. But the Bible says that there is a possession that has been purchased that is yet to be redeemed. Y'all with me? Now, let's find out what that is. Look what it says, number one. Let's go look at this. Now, remember what I said. Remember what I said. Stay with me right here. Stay with, look here. Remember I said Revelation is primarily Jewish in nature. It is the time of Jacob's sorrow. All right? God is going to use the tribulation period to restore Israel, to bring and get them back, get their attention, so forth and so on. So in order to understand Revelation, we have to dig into the Old Testament. Okay? In order to stand, how many of y'all, how many of y'all, uh, you kind of, last, last week you kind of got an idea of the picture that was being drawn by looking at the Old Testament tabernacle and you, you, you kind of understood chapter 4 a lot better. Okay? That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look into the Old Testament. We're going to look into the Old Testament and study redemption. Redemption through the Old Testament. And that will open our minds and open our eyes to understand what this book is. Okay? Y'all ready? Say amen. amen. Three things that can be redeemed. <clears throat> Three things that can be redeemed. Let's look at a bride first. A bride. Turn in your Bible. Turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy 25. I did not print it because it would be too much paper. You need to practice. <clears throat> Old Testament. Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Come on. Deuteronomy, amen. All right, look at Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter number 25. When y'all get there, say amen. I hear pages. Okay, here we go, here we go. Deuteronomy 25, verse number 5. If brethren dwell together and one of them die, in other words, they're on the same estate, all right? And one of them died. And, and that, was, that was very the norm. When, they went into the, when the nation of Israel went into uh, uh, the promised land, God allotted each family certain pieces of land. Are y'all with me? And God expected them to keep it in the, keep it in the family. All right? Now, so this is, this is what he's, he's referencing. He said, And one of them died and have no child. The wife of the dead shall not marry without upon a stranger. She's not to go marry a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her. This is called the Leverite marriage. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead that his name be not put out of Israel. In other words, in other words you have two guys here one is married, one is not. And, 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 and this man dies, he, he's married, he dies, he has no children. It is the brother's responsibility to take her to himself as a wife. 
and have us have a child with her, but be in the name of his brother. And that child would inherit everything that was the brother's. So his name would remain and not be blotted out in Israel. Does that make sense? So he would redeem, he would redeem the wife by taking her and, and marrying her and bringing up children. And the example that we're going to show you about that is Ruth and Boaz, right? That's the picture we're going to see in just a minute. Now, so a bride, a bride can be redeemed. Now, there's a, there's a, 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 a servant, and, and I believe the bride, I, I forgot to mention this, I believe the bride represents the church. Listen, throughout the New Testament, the church is always referred to as the bride of Christ. He's the groom, and the church is the bride. So I believe the bride being redeemed is a picture of the church. All right, then a servant. A servant can be redeemed. Leviticus 25, 47. Leviticus, let's go over there, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus 25:47. All right. Now, I'll just go ahead and read that way we can save some time. And if a sojourner or stranger wax rich by thee, that, now this is keep in mind this is the law that God is giving the nation of Israel, to, in other words, how to live and behave in the promised land. If you understand that, say amen. If somebody basically says, <clears throat> if they get wealthy, and there, there's a brother that dwelleth by him, wax poor, and sell himself unto the stranger or sojourner by thee, or to the stock of the stranger's family. After that he is sold, he may be redeemed again, and one of his brethren may redeem him. Either his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or any that is nigh of kin unto him of his family may redeem him. Or if he be able, he may redeem himself. In other words, if he becomes an indentured servant, he fa he's fallen on hard times. He's fallen on hard times. He cannot make a living. He cannot support himself. He cannot take care of his family. So he becomes a, basically a slave, a servant to another man. He's indentured to this man, and he is now his servant or his slave, if you will. I have kinfolk that can come and redeem me, okay? I can be redeemed by a kinsman, someone kin to me. Now, keep in mind, I'm going to go a little. I'm going to go a little further in the study right now. So, just take a second and listen. God cared about liberty and freedom, and there was a Sabbath to every week. There was a Sabbath of years. In other words, you could plow the ground and plant the ground for six years, and then a Sabbath. You understand? A year that you could not plant, you could not sow, blah, 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 blah. After you do that, up into the 50th year, seven Sabbaths. Another seven, are y'all with me? At the 50th year was called the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. Everybody that was in debt, everybody that was a slave, everybody that had lost land or had to sell land because you were in a bad way, you got it all back. It was called the year of Jubilee. Say amen. amen. Why? Because God didn't want you in debt forever. God didn't want you to be a slave forever. God wanted you to be able to get a fresh start and, and, and keep it in the family. 
If that makes sense, say amen. But if a kinsman wanted to help you and keep you from having to wait to the year Jubilee, he could redeem you. He could pay the price to redeem you. All right? Is everybody with me so far? So a bride could be redeemed and a servant or slave could be redeemed. I believe the servant represents Israel. I believe the servant represents Israel. And I'm going to tie this all together in just a minute, okay? Then the third thing that can be redeemed. Leviticus chapter 25, same chapter, verse number 23. Leviticus 25, 23. <clears throat> the land shall not be sold, what? Forever. For the land is mine, God is saying. For years, in other words, you're just living on what belongs to me. I'm letting you have this chunk right here. That's what God's saying. It says, you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession, ye shall grant a redemption for the land. If thy brother be waxen poor and has sold away some of his possession, and if any of his come to redeem it, then he shall redeem it, that which was his brother's sold. All right? Now, now here's the deal. Let's, let's, let's say this for example. This, this, is, this is the way I can illustrate this. My father's right there. Uh, 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 William, William I, sell, I sell some of my property to William because I'm, I, I've run into a bad situation in a bad way and I, I needed some help and, uh, and, and so I sold it to him. I don't get that back till the year of Jubilee. But if my kinsman, if my kinsman is willing and able, he not only has to be willing, he has to have the ability to do it. Because I have to pay him whatever he's, in other words, what he's put into the land. After, In other words, he sowed it and he's worked it and all that. I've got to make that up, not just what I owe him, but the, I guess it would be kind of like interest, all right? Does everybody understand that? He would have to, the kinsman would have to be willing and he'd have to be able to pay that. And if he did, you are obligated to give it back. That's what it means to redeem. He couldn't hold on to it forever. That's what that means. To redeem means he can get it back. I can get it back. Now, sometimes it was taken. It was taken. It was stole, if you will. All right? Now, now I promise y'all, y'all give me that look, but I promise you this is all going to make sense in just a minute. So let's, let's, let's review. What three things can be redeemed? A bride which represents the church, all right? A servant, which represents, and, and what did I say? Land, which represents the, the earth, okay? Now watch, now watch. I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back to the servant in Luke 21. But look what it says in Romans 8, right there in your notes, Romans 8. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, all the suffering that we go through here on this earth cannot even be compared to what it's going to be like when he comes and gets us. The glory that we're going to have. 
You say, what glory? It says, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be like him. Are y'all with me? That glory. It says, for the earnest expectation of the creature. Now, that word creature means creation. All right? So if you want to just ride over that word creation, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about humanity. He's talking about the creation, the earth, the universe. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, when we're going to get raptured out of here, we're going to get resurrected, we're going to have coming what's coming to us. For the creation was made subject to vanity. Vanity means futility. It means futility, emptiness. Not willingly, but by reason of him who has subject the same in hope. Now what does that mean? That means when man fell in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God cursed this earth. And now it no longer, it no longer can accomplish the purpose that God had it in the original state it was in. It's not what it was. You say, oh, earth is tranquil. Earth is, you ever seen a zebra get caught by a lion? Now think about this. Think about this. The earth is cursed. It, nature is all about kill or be killed. The people that live run the fastest. Right? When I went fishing with my brother, when I went fishing with my brother in, 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 uh, in the ocean out there, we were king fishing and, man, we caught sailfish and, 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 and uh, all kind of stuff, cobia and, 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 man, you name it. I mean, every kind of, I said, well, what kind of, what kind of fish will this bait catch? He said, Malcolm, everything eats everything. Everything bigger eats everything smaller. That wasn't in the original state. There was no death in the original state. Everything was in harmony. But right now we're living in a cursed atmosphere. A cursed earth. And it's groaning. That's what we're seeing. Watch this. Watch this. It says it was made subject to vanity. Not willingly, but by reason of him who has subject the same in hope. Because the creature or the creation itself also shall be delivered from what? The bondage of what? Corruption. It's corrupt. It's full of death. Corrupt into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now watch. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together. You say, what is those, what is those, those, those labor pains? And that's what it's describing. I believe it's earthquakes. I believe it's volcanoes erupting. I believe this earth is in turmoil and it's groaning. And this, this is what Paul is describing. The whole creation groaneth and travaileth under the curse it's under. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it. Read it with me. The... The redemption of our body. What is he saying? He's saying this. Paul is saying, at that time and right now, we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Just as we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies, 
This earth is waiting for its redemption too. Just like we are groaning every day, I wished I could be absent from, from the sin that we're in. Every day, I, I wish, when, when I make mistakes, I wish I never made them. I wish we could be in a perfect atmosphere where sin is not an issue anymore. And if you're a true Christian and a true believer, you're groaning and you're want. Paul said, who's going to rescue me? Who's going to deliver me from this old wretched man, this, 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 this flesh that I'm in? He said, I'm groaning to be in that glory that was coming to us one day. The redemption of our bodies. Are y'all with me? There is a possession that has been purchased that has not been redeemed. Are y'all with me? Now, what we're reading, this is where we're going to start drawing it together. What we're reading is after the rapture of the church. Okay? So the bride has been redeemed. And the bride is in the presence of the groom. Are y'all with me? We have been redeemed. Amen? But there's two things left to redeem. One is the servant or the nation of Israel. And God is going to spend seven years redeeming Israel. And seven years redeeming this earth. Now here's the picture. Here's the picture. When we see the Old Testament picture with Ruth and Jeremiah, it's going to all make sense. All right, y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 4. We're going to see a biblical example of redemption. And tie those two pictures with what we see in Revelation 5. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Ruth, most of you know uh, uh, there was a family... Naomi was, the, was the, uh, the mother, and her and her husband went to uh, uh, Moab, and they shouldn't have went, but they went. And their two sons, Malin and Chilion, uh, married Moabite women, and all three of them died, the husband and the two sons. And now as Naomi's left, and, and, and y'all know, I'm going to fast forward through this, and, and one of them goes back to their people, but Ruth clings to Naomi. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And they come back, and y'all know the story. She goes to the field of Boaz. She finds those handfuls of purpose, and God's got a bigger picture to show you. Are y'all with me? There is a kinsman redeemer in this story. There is a broken, <laughs> broken sinner in this story. Somebody say amen. In chapter number 4. Boaz has his intentions on securing the bride and the land of Naomi's family. Apparently she lost it, you know, because they were in a famine. Possibly they lost it to debtors or what it, whatever it might be. Uh, and, and it was his job to redeem it, to get it back. Now watch, look what it says in Ruth chapter number 4 in verse number 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate. And sat him down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by. Now here's the deal. Boaz wanted to redeem Ruth and make her his own. But there was a problem. 
there was a man that was closer kin to Naomi's family. Are y'all with me? And Elimelech, okay? So he had to do the job of the kinsman redeemer unless he didn't want to, and then Boaz could. If that makes sense, say amen. Now watch this. Watch this. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat, oh, let me back up, let me back up. Verse 2, and he took 10 men of the, of the, there's 24 water around the throne. Keep that in mind. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I'll redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And what, what he's saying there, what he's saying there is, it's okay, you can buy the land and get the inheritance, but you also got to marry Ruth. He said, I, I, I don't want to do that. So he said, okay, I will. So he took off his shoe and gave it over, which was uh, symbolic of the transaction. Do you see what I, did you see what I said a while ago? There's something significant to this. He has to be able. It was obvious he was able. He had the money to do it, but he was not willing. The kinsman had to be willing and able. But thank God Boaz was willing. He said, yes, sir, I want her. And he paid the price, right? Now, does everybody understand this? Understand this story. There is, a, there is a, 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 a land that needs to be taken back. There's a land that has been lost. There is a bride that needs to be taken. So we have this redemption. Now, this is the biggest picture. Jeremiah 32. Turn with me to Jeremiah 32. This is where we're going to start wrapping it up. Jeremiah 32. All right. Jeremiah has been prophesying. All right. Jeremiah. This is in 32 verse 6. Let me, I'll, I'll bring you up to that verse. Jeremiah has been prophesying, preaching, and telling everybody, we've had it. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come. He's going to conquer. He's going to take the king captive, and we're going into captivity. Well, the king didn't like that. He did not like that prophecy, so he threw him into prison. Okay? If you're always preaching what people like, you probably ain't preaching what you're supposed to be preaching. Right? Well, here he is. He's sitting in jail. Nebuchadnezzar is about to besiege the city. Okay? They're in Jerusalem. Y'all with me? 
All right, so the prophet is in prison. The prophet is in prison, and Nebuchadnezzar is right about to take over. And God told him, said, look, y'all are going to go into captivity for 70 years. Say that with me. You're going to go into captivity for? But after those 70 years is over, I'm going to bring you I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back. You're going to pay for it. And by the way, there's a, whole, there's a whole truth to that. 70 years. Why 70 years? That was how long they didn't keep those Sabbaths. A year, anyway, that's, that's, I'm, I'm sorry. I almost broke the rule. Amen? <laughs> 70 years and you're going to come. You're going to come back. Well, he has that prophecy from God. Well, he's got a cousin. He's got a cousin named Hanamiel, and he's got some land, right? He's got some land, and he's thinking this, okay, okay, if we're fixing to be besieged, we're fixing to lose everything. I'm going to get some money for this. My dumb cousin in jail, he thinks we're coming back, so I'm going to sell it to that sucker. That's exactly what happens. He thinks he's a fool. He thinks he's crazy. Because you think about it, if you look over, the enemy is at the gate. We're fixing to be conquered. We're, we're fixing to go into captivity. Watch. Watch. Now follow, follow, follow this. And Jeremiah said, verse 6, and Jeremiah said, verse 6, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle shall bite. In other words, this is his cousin. He said, he shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. Now, why could Jeremiah buy it? He was a near kinsman. All right? And Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. And I bought, now watch what happens. And I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, that was in Anathoth, and weighed him the money, even the 17 shekels of silver. And I subscribed the, the evidence and... The, the evidence is the deed. We printed up the deed and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed him the money in the balance. Is this starting? To, is, are your eyes starting to, ooh, this is starting to make sense? So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. And I gave the evidence of the purchase under Baruch, the son of Neri, the son of Masai, in the sight of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. <clears throat> now, let's have some fun. Number three. I want you to see. Did I give you number two? Oh. Well, you should have known what it was. A is Ruth and Boaz. B is Jeremiah and Hanamiel. 
All right, now let's take these two stories and put them together. Let's look at the process of redemption. The process of redemption. Okay? The process of redemption. This is going to this is going to explain what's happening in chapter 5. First, there has to be a willing and able kinsman for redemption to take place. There has to be a willing and able kinsman. Okay? He had to be kin. You say, well, how is Jesus the kinsman redeemer? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery, but to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. He was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself unto death, the death of the cross. Why did he become a man? He had to be kin. An angel could not redeem us. It took a human. Man sinned, so man had to die. It t- I don't think y'all are getting what I'm putting down. And the word became flesh. And dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory. What happened? God the Son became kin to me when he became flesh. And when he became kin to me, he could become my kinsman redeemer. So he was not only kin, but he also had the ability. He had the riches. He had the ability to pay the payment. And not only did he have the ability to pay the payment, he was willing to do so. He said, no man takes my life from me. No man has taken this by force. I willingly lay down my life. I give my life a ransom for many. Somebody say amen. He wasn't forced to. He wasn't bribed to. He didn't have to. He willingly laid his life down so I could be redeemed and set free. He's our kinsman redeemer. He said, who is worthy to take the book? Who is worthy to take the book? He said, no man in earth was found. No man, and I'm kind of getting on next week, but I'm going to get on it anyway. No man was found worthy to take the book and to loose the seals thereof. And then John said, I wept much. I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. But he said, one of the elders said, weep not, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And he said, I turned to see a lion, and I saw a lamb as it had been slain. Somebody say amen. Then they went to singing a new song. What is the new song? Worthy, worthy are you. Why? Because you have redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, nation, and tongue. Say amen. In order for redemption to take place, there has to be a willing and able kinsman redeemer. Are y'all with me? That was Boaz... And that was Jeremiah. Y'all with me? It's going to get better. 
Yeah. <laughs> we see a willing and able kinsman. B. There has to be a purchase price paid. There has to be a purchase price paid. Boaz paid the price. Jeremiah paid the price. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot, you were not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Revelation 5 verse 9, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Somebody say amen. There had to be a willing and able kinsman. There had to be a purchase price paid. But then we have to have some witnesses. Witnesses. The witnesses in Ruth's story, <clears throat> Boaz went to the gate and he gathered some folks up. How many of y'all remember what they were called? Elders. 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 Right? Let's go back. Let's go back. We were in Revelation. I know we've been everywhere else tonight, but we were there. Look in verse 4 of chapter 4. Verse 4 of chapter 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon these seats I saw four and twenty elders. In Ruth 4.1, it says, And he took ten men of the elders, say it with me, of the elders of the city, and said, Sit down, sit ye down here. In other words, there has to be some witnesses to this transaction. Are y'all with me? For this to be official, there's got to be witnesses. Jeremiah 32.9. And I brought the feet, or I bought the field of Hanamil, my uncle's son, that was in Anathoth and weighed him the money, and seven, even 17 shekels of silver, and I subscribed the evidence, and sealed it, and took witnesses, and weighed him the money in the balances. So, so far we have a willing and able kinsman. So far we have a purchase price paid. Then we have witnesses. The 24 elders are there to witness this transaction. Revelation 5, 1. But here's the part we've been missing. Here's the part we've been missing. Purchasing the object is not the completed process of redemption. We sing these songs all the time about I've been redeemed. And, and I like them and I sing them. But it's not complete yet. Romans said we're groaning. Waiting for the what? Redemption of our? So that tells me my body has not been redeemed. Now my soul is heaven ready. 
Let me say that again. That sounds pretty good. My soul was heaven ready. But one day, the Bible says, at the last trump, this mortal shall put on immortality, and this corruption shall put on incorruption. And that that I have been crying and groaning and moaning and looking forward to all of my days as a Christian is going to take place. The redemption of my body. I'll be in a glorified form. I'll be like Christ. I'll be with those 24 elders. I believe without a doubt those 24 elders are representing the church. But that's not, it's not complete. At this point, the bride has been redeemed. And by the way, don't understand, I got, I got some extra time. This is, a, this is the process of the bride and the wedding and the bridegroom. The Bible says, the Bible says and teaches in, in, in Jewish culture and Jewish custom, the groom would go and find a bride. And he would secure what is called the bride price. He would have to pay or work for a certain bit or a certain amount to pay for the bride. That would hinder a lot of weddings today. Say amen. But when he paid the price, they were as if they were already married. They were betrothed. Y'all with me? But he hadn't taken her. But he would go back to the father's house and go to building on, at the father's house. Are y'all with me? The wedding room. Their home. Because, listen, it was all in the family. And when the home was ready, he would go back and get his... Are y'all with me? At the sound of trumpets, they would announce the arrival of the groom. And he would... Whoop, say man. He would get his bride and take her back to the father's house for seven days worth of partying and celebration. There's seven years of tribulation. Now let me tie this together. The Bible says in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And listen, that where I am, there ye may be also. What is he saying? I'm going to redeem my bride. I've already purchased her, but I'm going to go and take and claim what is rightfully mine. Redemption is not complete till there is a claiming and a possessing of the redeemed product. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. Now watch. The church is there. The church is in heaven. The bride has been redeemed. The bride has been claimed. Are y'all with me? Through the rapture of the church. And what are we seeing? What's left to be redeemed? Israel and the earth. 
Israel and the earth. Redemption is not, now this is, this is the key, this is the key. Redemption is not complete till it is claimed and possessed. Now, let's read the conclusion and draw it together. The earth and the atmosphere around it have been in the hands of an invader. The cruel invader is Satan. He took it from Adam. God had given dominion over the earth to Adam. So that today the earth now, because of the fall of Adam, is in Satan's power. When the devil offered to give the earth to Christ, you remember when he came and tempted him. I'll give you all the kingdoms of this earth. If you would just bow down and worship me, Satan told the Lord. The Lord never repudiated him. He never said you can't do that. Listen, three times our Lord called Satan the prince of this world. Paul called Satan the god of this world. The prince of the power of the air. John wrote that the whole world lieth in wickedness or with the wicked one in 1 John 5, 19. The scroll that John saw is the title deed to the earth. Once committed to man to rule for God, but now is in the hands of Satan. And now Christ is about to (laughs) take back what the devil stole. Oh, 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 I got five minutes. Let's go back to Jeremiah. Let's go back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah purchased the land. Right? He sealed it. With what? Witnesses. And they put it in the temple. Put it in the the jars. To keep it safe. Now. It was paid for. It was bought legally. He was the kinsman redeemer. But it was in safekeeping. Even though by title. Come here, Travis. If you don't care. Even though by title. Be God for a minute. All right, here's the deal. The title says Jeremiah owned the land. It was sealed for safekeeping. But it was in possession of the enemy. For 70 years, it was in possession of the enemy. He owned it. He bought it. He was the kinsman. It was rightfully his. But he wasn't in possession of it. Till he came back home. Now here's the deal. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Israel is God's. What is chapter 5 all about? The Bible says the one who paid the price, the one who was the rightful kinsman redeemer, the one who was willing and able to redeem what was taken and stolen, 
He is now standing up to come and take what's rightfully His. It is the title deed to the earth. Now here's the thing. The devil ain't going to let it go easily. Chapter 6 begins the process of taking back possession of what the devil stole. And you're going to see the devil put up some kind of fight. But guess what? It don't matter. It don't matter. You say, what are you getting at? The tribulation that we're studying here in the next few months is Jesus, the rightful owner of this universe, taking back what the devil stole from Adam. Now, we're going to dig into some more in this chapter. We ain't through this chapter by no means. Because we're going to talk about that lamb. The lamb that you can still see the wounds from his crucifixion. The lamb, man, it's only one minute, Travis. I, all right, we're stopping. We're stopping. I promised him that, didn't we? We're going to stop. We, we see the airport, land the plane, amen? All right. Now, does everybody have somewhat of an understanding about what this book is? Now, do you see what I mean when you got to study the Old Testament to see the picture and the typology in Revelation? It, it makes it come alive. Jesus is the rightful owner. Jesus is the redeemer. And he comes, and, and the Bible says, the wording is this, he takes the book out of the hand who sits, it's right now, the title deed to this earth is in safe hands. And one day, Jesus is going to take back what the devil stole. And all God's people say it. 44 seconds early. <clears throat> There's no red up there. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much.